0: You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition.
1: That's speaking of his identity. Moses, you're not slow of tongue. You're not slow of speech. That's not how you were or ever have been. That's not who you are. You're not defined by your weaknesses. You're not defined by your failures or the lies that feed your stronghold or feed your belief about yourself. I am your identity. I'm the one that tells you who you are. And so it is
0: for us as believers. We can easily be deceived by the world into forgetting who we are. We can lose sight and get bogged down into negative thinking and self-defeating thoughts and behaviors, but in today's message, Pastor Holland reminds you that your identity is in Christ. You are who He says you are. He made you for a purpose and has a plan for your life. Don't let this world speak untruth to your heart. Spend time with Jesus and get refilled with joy. Find your purpose and get out and do what the Lord commands of you. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 4 as he continues his message, Overcoming the Past
1: when God says in verse 12, now therefore go and I will be your mouth and teach you what you will say, Moses responds in verse 13 by saying, oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Send someone else, Lord. Even with your help, I can't do it, Lord. In verse 14, we read that the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses when he said this. And here's what I wonder Was the Lord's anger directed towards Moses? Or was the Lord's anger directed towards the fear that gripped Moses? And I think it's the latter because of how God responds to Moses. God doesn't punish Moses, God doesn't judge Moses, He doesn't replace Moses, but He gives Moses what Moses thinks he needs. In verse 14, we read, the Lord said, is not Aaron, the Levite, your brother? I know that he can speak well, and look, he's coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. And so God just basically says, okay, Moses, if that's how you are, if that's what you need, then here's Aaron. I'll speak to you, you speak to Aaron, and he'll speak to the people. Now, we've all played that game, right? How good does that work? You know, where you speak on one end, and then you go all the way through the chain, you come out to the other end. And if I'm the last guy on that end, no matter what comes in my ear, what I hear is, let's go eat ice cream. (laughs) But here's another thing I wonder. If Moses had this stronghold, if Moses had this fear, this stronghold of fear controlling his life, why didn't God deliver Moses on the spot? Why didn't he just snap his fingers? Call it out. Why did God appoint Aaron to be spokesman? Because we know that that decision didn't turn out to be a good decision down the road, right? Because Aaron leads the nation of Israel into the worship of the golden calf. He's pressured by the people. He gives into the pressure of the people. So if God is sovereign, in control of everything... Why did he do that? Why did he allow that wrinkle in history? Does it make sense? And the scripture isn't clear, really, on this, but I have a couple of theories that I want to share. And the first is this, that I believe that God gave Moses what he had faith to receive. Moses didn't have faith to trust the Lord completely, but he did have faith for God to use Aaron as his spokesman. And this area of unbelief, as I said, would prove to be costly for Moses, and it's true for us. Whenever we put our trust or divide our trust between God and what we see with our physical eyes, with the world, Whenever we have a divided trust, it always ends in problems. Whenever we think in our mind, oh, God, I can't do that. I need you to send me someone to help me. I, you're not enough for me, and we depend on what I, what's the, referred to as the arm of the flesh, it always leads to problems. But only when we depend on God alone do we have complete and total victory in our lives. Whenever there's a mixed bag, it's always problematic. And here's the principle. God will give us what we have faith to receive. Jesus said in Matthew nine twenty nine, according to your faith, let it be to you. And when Jesus ministered in his hometown, Matthew reports, In chapter 13, verses 57 through 58, now, he did not do many mighty works because of their unbelief. They did not have the faith to receive what Jesus was bringing to them. And so it didn't say that he he couldn't do any mighty works, it just said he couldn't do many mighty works, because there were those there that were able to receive. And what you believe about God is the single most important factor in what God does in your life. If you don't believe that he'll provide for you, then you won't even ask him to provide for you. And you'll get exactly what you ask for. But if you trust him with everything, then you'll go to him with everything. If you don't believe that God will do what he says he will do, then you will receive what you have the faith to receive. The second thought I had was I believe that God was building faith in Moses through experience. That Moses wasn't in a place to receive at that moment, but God was working with Moses. There's a concept called progressive revelation in Scripture. And what that means is that in the very beginning, as God reveals himself to man, he does it in very simple ways. But the more experience we have with God, the more we learn about God, the more we know about God, the greater revelation we have about God. So now those of us today who have now, we've believed into Jesus, we've experienced the the revelation of grace through faith in, in Jesus Christ, and we have experienced the resurrection life of Jesus working in us, we have a different understanding of God than what Abraham had or Isaac, or Jacob, or Noah. We have a, a more fuller revelation of God because there's been so much time that's gone on. There's been so much learning, and we have the word of God. They didn't have the word of God. We have the word of God. And plus, we have the experience that we experienced with God. And so this building of faith that happens through experience takes time. And if you're like me, you're a kinesthetic learner. I I learn through experience. I have to get my hands on something. I I have to touch it. I have to feel it. I have to experience it. And then I know it. That's how I know it. Which, incidentally, is one of the words for knowledge in the scriptures. It's knowing it through experience. You experience it to be true. And what I love about God is God doesn't look at Moses and says, okay, well, if you don't believe me, done. I'll pick someone else. And maybe you've heard teaching like that. If you don't step up to the plate, God will replace you. You're replaceable. You're not needed. There's plenty of people to do what God wants to do. He's sovereign. He's going to pick someone else. Now, if that's true, then they obviously did not read about Moses. Because that's not what God did with Moses. And God didn't do that with Jonah either. But what God does is he meets us where we are. He meets us right where we are. Whatever place you are in your journey, however much faith you have, that's where God meets you. Why? Because God is building a solid foundation of faith in your life, in my life. And he's not in a hurry. He sees the big picture. He sees the end from the beginning. And so he's not there thinking, oh, you are on a time schedule. Either you believe me or you're out the door. He doesn't do that. He's not rushing to get something done by a certain time. He's working a work in us that's built to last for eternity. It's an eternal
0: work, an eternal <laughs> weight of glory. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this
1: Hi, this is Holland Davis And I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel In San Clemente And I just want to take a moment And invite you to come and visit us At one of our Sunday morning services Or to our midweek Bible study Calvary Chapel San Clemente Is a Jesus People community Right here in the city of San Clemente, California You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at CalvarySanCamini.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you.
0: Now, let's continue
1: with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. I think of Thomas, the doubter. The disciples are gathered together, and the resurrected Jesus appears to them, but Thomas isn't there. He didn't come to the party. And we read in John 20, the other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. I mean, this is like Peter and John and, you know, I mean, they've they've seen the Lord. And so Thomas said to them, unless I see his hands, the print of the nails, put my finger into the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That is a kinesthetic learner right there. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut, stood in the midst, and said, "Peace, bro." No, he said, "Peace to you." And then he said to Thomas, "Reach your finger here. You wanted to put your finger in, my, in the holes of my hand. Reach your finger right here. Look at my hands. Reach your hand and you know into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing." And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me and have believed, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, if you notice, Jesus didn't kick kick Thomas out of the club because because of his unbelief. He didn't say, okay, you're not one of my disciples anymore. What did Jesus do? He made a believer believer out of Thomas. He made a believer out of him. How did he do it? He showed him proof of his resurrection power. Here I am. I'm real. Touch my hands. Thomas saw firsthand that Jesus had conquered sin and death. And so God doesn't qualify Moses because of his unbelief, but God is making a believer out of Moses. And what that does for me is it gives me great comfort. Because in those areas where I don't believe God, even in those areas where I may have a stronghold in my life because of fear or unbelief or unforgiveness or whatever it is that's at the root of the strongholds in our lives, God doesn't kick me out of the club and say, well, you're not measuring up to my standards, so I can't use you. He meets us right where we are, And he makes believers out of us, every single one of us. And we're going to see how he does it with Moses. First, God demonstrates to Moses that his way works. He shows him that my way actually produces results. In verse 29 of Exodus 4, we read, Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses And then he did the signs in the sight of the people. And so the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked on their affliction, they bowed their heads and they worshiped. And I could see Moses up there. He's like, we did exactly what the Lord told us to do. And look, it worked. This stuff works. It's amazing. And how many of us have done that? Shared the gospel with someone? And then they, you ask them, hey, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? Then they say, yes. And you're like, wow, this works. I remember the first person I prayed for to receive Jesus, I tried to talk them out of it. Because it was so easy. I shared the gospel and I said, do you want to receive Jesus? They said, yes. And, but they said it so quick, I, thought, I said, now wait a minute. I mean, this is like surrendering your whole life to Jesus. Everything. Do you want to do it? Yes, I want to do it. Now, wait a minute. This is like, you're going to be persecuted. You could even die for your faith. Do you want to do that? Yes, I want to do that. It took five minutes for them to convince me that they wanted to be to receive Jesus. We finally prayed the prayer, and and I know for sure they're saved. But the first time you pray for someone and they get healed, the first time... You know, you pray for something and God answers your prayer, and you think, wow, this Christianity thing, it really works. But then Moses' leadership is tested. He goes from the people to Pharaoh and he demands to let the people go to worship the Lord. But Pharaoh says no. And this should not have surprised Moses because God said to Moses that Pharaoh would say no. So God, so Moses knew going into the deal. That that Pharaoh was not going to let the children of Israel go worship the Lord. But what Moses wasn't prepared for was Pharaoh's response. Because Pharaoh, then thinking that, wow, if you can ask me to go worship the Lord, then obviously you have time on your hands. And so he punished the people. Made their work harder, took away their supplies, said, You have to find your own supplies now. So that'll busy up your time and you'll forget about this going out and worshiping the Lord business. Uh, You have too much time on your hands. And then the people turned around and they blamed Moses. They blamed Moses for this situation. We were fine until you came around. Now they weren't fine, right? That was their own self deception. They were not fine, they were crying out to the Lord. Their life was hard. God heard their cry. That's why he sent Moses. But then all of a sudden, Pharaoh makes it extra hard, and they blame Moses for the problems that are happening. We're suffering, and it's all your fault. And guess what happens to Moses? He has a flashback. I tried to deliver them once from an Egyptian that was beating them, and then they attacked me. And the implication is that it was the Hebrews that told Pharaoh about Moses. They betrayed him. And here I am again. God sent me to lead them out of Egypt, and they're attacking me. I'm doing them a favor, and they're, they're giving me a hard time. And they're blaming me for their problems. And so look how Moses responds. We're going to go to Exodus 6. Verse 10, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. And Moses spoke before the Lord saying, the children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But basically he's telling God, I'm not the guy. God, I know you want me to lead Israel out of Egypt. I'm not the guy. I'm not the one for the job. I'm of uncircumcised lips. That's how Moses saw himself. God did not say that about Moses. This is what Moses is saying about himself. And maybe you felt like that. God asked somebody else. I'm the most disqualified, unqualified person in the world. Use someone else to do that. And God isn't saying that about you. That's you saying that about you. And that's what Moses was doing. He was saying that about himself. It's time to flee. It's time to get away. I'm the problem. I've always been the problem. I need to get away before it's too late. But God doesn't let Moses off the hook so easily. You know, it's been said that God loves us the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And what I want you to notice is the process then that Moses is taken through by God to tear down this stronghold of fear in his life. In verse 1 of chapter 7, the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you. And Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh will not heed you so that I may lay my hand on Egypt and bring my armies and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand on Egypt and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And then Moses and Aaron did so just as the Lord commanded them. So they did." And so the first thing that God does is he confronts the lie that the stronghold is built on. And this lie had to do with Moses' identity, how he saw himself. And God says to him, I have made you as God to Pharaoh. That's speaking of his identity. Moses, you're not slow of tongue. You're not slow of speech. That's not how you were or ever have been. That's not who you are. You're not defined by your weaknesses, you're not defined by your failures or the lies that feed your stronghold or feed your belief about yourself. I am your identity. I'm the one that tells you who you are. And so it is for us as believers that the world doesn't tell us who we are. Our experiences don't tell us who we are. Our failures don't tell us who we are and Our successes don't tell us who we are. There's only one person that can tell us who we are, and that's the one who made you. And the one who made you says that you are a new creation in Christ. The old has passed. The new is come, and it's coming. That word means that it is come, it's arrived, and more is on the way. It's come, and it's coming. And so who you are today isn't all there is. There's more on the way. And maybe you're in a place where you're you're firing on all cylinders. Well, let me tell you something. You're about to get a new engine because there's more coming. God has more that he wants to give. And so he confronts this area of Moses' identity, how he saw himself, how he perceived himself. Second, God confronts the power of the stronghold, which was his unbelief. His unbelief. And God confronts this by commanding Moses to speak. The very thing that Moses believes is his weakest part, his greatest weakness, is the very thing that God tells Moses to do. Friends, we want you to know how special you are to us, but more importantly, we want you to know how special you are to God. God loves you, and He gave everything for you so that you could have eternal life. His son Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven, and you could know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Why don't you pray this simple prayer, mean it with all your heart, and make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. To say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Forgive me for living my life without you. I don't want to live without you anymore. I want to live for you. Forgive me for breaking your law. And fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you pray that prayer, you can have the assurance that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven.
0: And I look forward to spending that eternity with you. You've been listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. As we wrap up today's message, we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us in ministry. This radio broadcast is, in a way, a virtual mission field. We're praying that every time a message is shared, someone's heart is drawn to Jesus. We pray for grace to be known and for lives to be changed. Would you join us in lifting up your fellow listeners to the Lord? Ask God to protect them and draw them closer with each moment they listen. There's one more way you can partner with us, too. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Worship Life Radio? Every amount given, no matter the size, will be used to spread the gospel message, and we're so grateful for it. You can find out more and donate securely online at CalvarySanClemente.org. Just click on Give. Thanks for partnering with us here at Worship Life Radio. Do you live in the San Clemente area? If so, we'd love to have you join us for worship at Calvary Chapel San Clemente. We meet every Sunday at 8 and 10 a.m., and we have a Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. that you're welcome to be a part of, too. Come for a time of singing praises, learning from the Bible, and being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can't come in person just yet, that's okay. You can still be a part of our church online through our website. Find out more at CalvarySanClemente.org. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to join us next time for another edition of worship life radio
1: every one of us is on a journey of grace god wants you to be free and full of joy pastor holland's message series a journey of grace will help you discover how to live the abundant life that jesus promises to give you today order your personal copy of a journey of grace at worshipliferadio.com